You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. If you have ever felt like something doesn't quite sit right with you when it comes to the whole girl boss culture that's been sweeping the world for a few years, or if you are feeling frustrated or discouraged with unmet expectations, this episode is about to be a blast of truth and fresh air for your soul today. If you aren't already familiar with one of our best friends, you're about to fall in love with your new soul sister, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jordan is a national best-selling author, speaker, founder, and CEO of the Own It Academy and host of She, a top-rated podcast for women. Her trajectory started with a small Etsy shop she started in college, and now her mission is to help women live their purpose and create a livelihood doing what they love so they can leave a legacy. She also sits on the board of advisors for Liberty University's School of Business and has been featured on Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Success Magazine's 30 Under 30 list, and more. Jordan is an Indiana native, an advocate of working in your slippers, and happily married to her college sweetheart, Matt. Today, we talked with Jordan about how to handle disappointments and missed expectations in life and her journey of walking through some of her own. We then turn the conversation towards being an ambitious person and how to navigate being driven in a deep, meaningful, and sustainable way. Jordan shares her thoughts on quote-unquote girl boss culture and how to get off the hamster wheel of more that we can so often get trapped in. This conversation is such a raw, relatable, and truth-filled gift, and we promise you'll walk away with more clarity, inspiration, and peace. If you're ready to step into a more purposeful approach to setting goals and facing disappointment, then this episode is for you. Let's talk with Jordan Lee Dooley. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Jordan freaking Dooley, welcome back to the show for the third time. The third time. I wow. know. I'm like, you guys have been so generous with this podcast. Just, It's so fun to be here every single time, but I'm like, man. Are, are we generous or are we, we greedy? Like, I feel like we're greedy and you're generous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am so thankful. It's been fun every single time. So I'm Definitely looking forward to it. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, if anybody's listening and they have not gone back to the past and heard our other episodes with Jay, then go back to episode three. She was literally the first guest on this show. That was an incredible interview. And then also she came on with her husband, Matt, on episode 149. We talked about finances and all of that. So anyways, Jay, you are an author, a shop owner, a podcaster, a serial entrepreneur, a speaker, and one of our legit favorite humans on (laughs) the planet Earth. So can you just, I mean, I kind of did that for you, but but more in depth because it's you. Could you give our audience just a little quick intro? to like who you are. Yeah, totally. Well, thanks for having me again. And I, yeah, I write books, I speak, and I really, you know, I've walked through some really hard things the last couple of years that have really kind of clarified, I would say, why I do what I do. And I really focus on, I have a passion, I guess, for helping women pursue their God-given dreams, but not at the he- at the expense of their health and well-being because I've kind of learned that the hard way um, and walked through some hard health stuff and family stuff that just kind of shifted my perspective on what really matters and how to work more sustainably and how to build in a better way. And so 
All of that said, a lot of what I focus on in my podcast and even in the newest book that I just wrote and a lot of the work that I've been doing as of late on the internet, I pretty much like to say I I talk and write and put words on the internet. Um, But in that, a lot of that is aligned with that message and that um, direction of how can we prioritize our health and well-being in the pursuit of our God-given dreams and what does that really look like? And I'm learning as I go, but that's a huge part of what I share and a big part of what I do. I love it. You mentioned your your latest book. So let's just pause for a second and cover this big news because this is amazing. <laughs> so your second book just came out, Embrace Your Almost. Mm-hmm. And huge congrats on that. I know Lindsay's yes. already binge read it and like it's incredible. It's a, <laughs> okay, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. <laughs> it is like next on my list once I finish the book I'm on right now. Well, multiple books. I read multiple books. Well, you're guys. a good Anyways, writer, Jay. And so it's a very quick read. It was like, yes, give it to me. Okay. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I like to write like in a way that feels very just digestible and easy because yes. It's like I want it to be something you can read in a weekend or an afternoon or whatever. So yes. that's exactly what I did. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, my my question for you, Jay, is can you share like a bit about the book and the process of writing it? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> it was a quite an interesting process. So the book originally started off a little bit different. Um, originally, the, the core message, I would say, still comes through, like the original message, but it really evolved because I will say the one hard thing about writing books, even before the age of 30, is that you don't have a lot of life to pull from. So you're kind of pulling, like you're writing as you're living things, um, mm. which definitely makes it interesting and challenging at the same time. So the book started off and originally it was kind of about like identifying what you truly value and making sure that you're doing the right things for you because the world's constantly telling us like you can have it all, right? And I've gotten caught up in that before. Um, I think we all have, especially as ambitious people. But I just, I wanted to write a book that was kind of like, okay, but you can't have it all all at the same time. And we like cognitively know that. We logically know that. Um, and and there may be seasons where it seems like you have it all. Like I, I always, I look back and the story I often tell about this book and this process is at the end of 2019, I felt like I I was on top of the world. I felt like everything was going according to plan in my life. I had been married for a couple of years at that point. I had just had the most successful year in my career. I released my first book, Own Your Every Day. That was a national bestseller, national sold out book tour, hit success 30 under 30 list. Like everything, I was like, this is amazing. I have, I'm 25 and like on top of the world. And then that year ended with not only my husband being able to leave his job and come work with me and start kind of his own entrepreneurial journey, but also uh, finding out we were expecting. So it was literally like, check, 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 check. Life is going awesome. Like everything is going according to plan. And really quickly, things changed. In January of 2020, I had a very unexpected loss. um, And that dream all of a sudden seemed to crumble right in front of me. And it's, I mean, Lindsay, you know, too, like walking through a pregnancy loss, it's like you slowly watch your dream like be taken from you in a very like ugly way. Um, And so that really shook me in many ways. And that was when I was first starting to work on this new manuscript. And so that obviously made its way into the manuscript, just how loss kind of started to shift my perspective on certain things and some of the effects of that and whatnot. And then a couple months after that, the whole world shut down because COVID hit. So it was like Mm -hmm. personal crisis, then a global crisis. And that really shook up a lot of business plans that I had and, and even just work plans in general. So there was like a personal, you know, my, my, my calendar changed. I had planned my whole year in December. I actually had our mutual friend, Allie Williams, at my house in December that year in 2019. And we planned out like my whole 2020. And I just LOL at that at this point because we had this whole year planned. I was like, August, I'll take maternity leave. Okay. And I like, had it all planned and then um, went through the loss. So then I had to replan like, okay, I guess I'm not taking maternity leave in August. So 
did that. Then replanned the whole year in, in January thinking, okay, this is what we're going to do instead. Had this big launch planned, everything like that um, for like end of March. And then in March, like the whole world shut down and everything changed overnight. And I was oh like, goodness. okay, so we're going to replan again. All right. I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. But like, it's not okay. Um, and so that was another like unmet, like unmet expectation, like disrupted plan. And then like two weeks, three weeks after the world shut down, found out I was pregnant again. And so I was like, oh, good, we're back on track. Like things are going according to plan again in some way, you know, sure, like the world's crazy and my business has gone sideways with some of the stuff we've had to change, but at least this is back on track. And I actually, you know, got past the 12-week mark. Like we had taken our announcement photos. I had seen three healthy ultrasounds. Like everything was moving along just fine. And then shockingly at the beginning of the second trimester, right around like 13 and a half weeks or so, I walked through my second loss. I found out that the baby had just stopped growing and nothing made sense. And my whole world crumbled at that point. Um, And what was interesting is right before that, one week before that loss, and I'm not trying to just like breeze past it, but this is just keeping it on on topic. One week before that loss, I turned in what I thought was a completed manuscript. And I said, it it basically followed this story arc of like, you know, I told the story of the first loss and how that was like, you know, hard and and discouraging and sad and and everything. Um, But like, I kind of, finished the book with this kind of cliche message of like, but everything's great now. I wanted everything tied up in a pretty little bow, right? That That's how you tell a story. And so I kind of finished the book out with like, but like the Lord redeemed it. You know, we are rainbow babies on the way. Like everything's going to be great. Um, and turned it in June 1st and had basically said this cliche message of like, if things don't work out, just get up and try again, right? Like the thing we always hear. 10 days later, I go to the, the appointment and that's when they tell me everything is not okay. And not, it was very, it was one of those things where I was like, man, like I had kind of penciled in the end of this story because it appeared to be going that way. And I think we tend to do that really easily, um, just especially when it appears like this is what's going to happen. And so when that was ripped from me again, I I mean, I will say like I about lost my ever loving mind. I mean, I had a month or two there where like I was my most unstable I've ever been. You just don't know how you're going to respond to trauma. And I had a lot of trauma with that, which I I share a little bit of that in the book too, um, just physically and whatnot. But my editor reached out to me and she was like, hey, um, you know, obviously she was like, I'm so sorry, et cetera. And she said, I know that you're probably going to want to rework some of this. So I'm just not even going to like work on editing it until you're ready to kind of revisit the material, but no rush. So anyways, point being, this is kind of a long story, but it it really goes with the theme of the book because the book is about almost achieved dreams, about broken dreams, about unmet expectations and delayed, you know, dreams and interruptions in our life. And what was so interesting is like the book became about that, but like the, in the process of creating the book that happened so many times. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was just ironic to where like, literally I thought the book was done and then like the story went a completely different way and I had to like go back and it really sucks to have to go like rewrite the story the way it actually went when you had just written how you wanted it to go and how it looked like it was going. Um, So anyways, I had to go back and revisit it at one point and we had to backdate when it was going to come out because it was supposed to come out a whole year ago actually. It's supposed to come out in the spring of 2021. And I was really hoping that it wouldn't get pushed too far because I didn't want to have too big of a gap between my first and, or my first and my second book. And so we pushed it to the fall of 22, 21, the following fall, fall of 21. Yeah. So we pushed it back about six months and they basically said, hey, if you can get the finished manuscript to us by the end of September, we can still publish it in the fall of 22, 2021. And I said, okay, great. I can do that. So I spent, you know, most of August and September kind of reworking the material, but it kind of turned into like a grief memoir, which wasn't the point of the book or even like the thesis of it, but it just was like my processing. It was like me 
working through everything I had just experienced, like double whammy loss in a six-month period in the midst of a global pandemic at the time where my husband couldn't be in the hospital with me. They wouldn't even let him back because I'm signing papers of like, how would you like us to handle your fetal remains? Like, how do you handle that kind of conversation by yourself, you know? And so I finally, like, thankfully they ended up letting him back. But my point is there was a lot of like unnormal things already happening in the world. And then you throw in like your own crises on top of that. And I was like, I don't even know how to process all of this. And so... Anyways, it kind of turned into like my processing. And so I turn it in thinking like, it's done, woohoo. And I get an email and they're like, hey, um, so how do you feel about getting on a call and like talking through this and maybe pushing the release date back like a whole year? And I literally just felt punched in the gut because I felt like what they were saying was like, you're not a good writer. This is a horrible manuscript and this dream's getting delayed too. Like, (laughs) it's just like really another thing. Um, But anyway, it ended up being for the best because they really said like, when you write from a really raw place, like sometimes a year later, you kind of regret or like wish that wouldn't have been what you published. And I'm so glad that they gave me that advice because they're so right. But all of that said, the book really became, I think, a more relatable message um, about what do you do when you get back up after getting knocked down and you get knocked down again and again and again and something just keeps going wrong or refusing to work out and you find yourself in this like constant state of like pending. Like you feel like your life is like the loading symbol on the computer. Like it's just stuck in waiting and everyone else keeps moving forward and checks off their next milestone or meets their guy or has a kid or gets the promotion and you're like, and I'm still stuck at a red light what the heck, you know? And so anyways, the book doesn't end with this like beautifully tied up little story and like, you know, there's not like a bow on top. It's actually like open-ended, like still kind of in the middle. And I wrote this whole thing from the middle and I thought that I would be writing it kind of from the other side, looking back at some broken dreams, but instead the whole thing is like written from this place. And it's interesting because I look at it, I'm like, I think that's actually a more needed message anyway. Like pretty much everything we read is like, oh yeah, back 10 years ago when I walked through some waiting, that was hard, you know, versus like, yeah. no, I'm actually in it with you. And that's kind of where the book was, what the book was born out of and how it evolved into what it is. Yeah. Well, and I almost think it goes towards the point of what the entire book is about. It's, I mean, it's called Embrace Your Almost. Mm-hmm. And if it would have wrapped up with a perfect little bow. And I think you even you even said like on social media lately, like mm-hmm. you even wished that your life almost like looked different right mm-hmm. now at when you released it so that yeah. there would still be like that closure of like, mm-hmm. oh, those broken dreams are now like- Redeemed, yeah. Redeemed, right? And it's it almost, I think, makes the book more powerful mm-hmm. and more poignant. The fact that like, no- it's more realistic. And mm-hmm. I think it's so relatable. Mm-hmm. And just like it literally like reading it, I cried. I mean, it's not like a heartbreaking book though. I mean, that's not the point of it, but mm-hmm. like there was just, there's so many things in it that resonate so much with any woman who is ambitious mm-hmm. and like going after goals and dreams that just yeah. crush them when they don't made it or, mm-hmm. or anybody or any woman that is experienced loss, not even mm-hmm. of a baby, just like of literally anything yeah. in life. Of anything that should have been like a yeah. relationship of a promotion that should have gone to you, but you were picked over because something came up, then you weren't as available or who, you know, anything like that. Uh-huh. Well, and I think so many women relate to that, of especially with the internet being so prevalent in our culture. Mm-hmm. It just speaks to like the comparison a little bit of like the reason you feel even more crushed when you don't hit something is because everyone, it seems like everyone around you, whether they are or not, or just the highlights, it seems like they're all accomplishing what you want to as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, it, it, it like, it, it's again, it's that message. So that's where like, even remember how I mentioned at the beginning of that very long spiel and story, but um, I mentioned how the book originally started off with this message of like, the world is constantly telling us you can have it all. And this is, it was originally going to be about like finding the right things for you. 
that still comes through because what I found was, especially through setbacks and suffering and disappointments and waiting, the space that those things create really has a unique opportunity. And it it doesn't even sound appropriate to say the word opportunity because that's the last thing it feels like. But if I learned anything Mm -hmm. through my process, it's like, man, like sometimes the jarring thing, the, the, oh my gosh, this just threw me for like a complete loop or stopped me in my tracks or like laid me flat on my back. Sometimes it's only in those moments that we actually have the opportunity to like pause and look around and really reevaluate. Like, what am I doing? What am I pursuing? And why? Like, yeah. Like, am I even pursuing the right things for me? And it was interesting because I found like sometimes the broken dreams and the waiting are the only opportunity we take to actually consider that and ask that question and really dig Mm -hmm. into that. And so anyway, point is, I I really think it's interesting how those two messages almost layered together and to become one when I never even saw that coming. Um, but as yeah. like you said about the internet, it's like that's where we're there's really good advertising telling us like you can have it all all at the same time. You've just gotta just gotta go get it and be a boss babe. And it's like, yeah. okay, but like what about when everything falls apart and it's out of my control? What do I do with that then? You know, like and and how do I how do I make peace with that? And how do I still live a life of meaning and purpose and intention and and a life that I actually like, even when I don't have everything that I like? And I think mm-hmm. that's the ultimate challenge that we're faced with. And the internet only makes that harder. Yeah, I think that's so true, especially because I feel like naturally, and I don't think this is inherently a bad thing, but I feel like people naturally are more willing to share like when things are going well, because when things mm-hmm. aren't, I think there's, there is a healthy place of like processing and grieving and, you know, like, you don't, I don't personally, I'm not a huge fan of authenticity in the sense that like, it mm-hmm. means dirt air all your dirty laundry at the yeah. expense of, you know, every, whatever. Right. So I th- but I think that's natural that we would share when things are going well. Um, but Jordan, you talked a lot about seeing everyone else hit their accomplishments mm-hmm. and, and, you know, pushing so hard and realizing like, oh, wow, I don't want to hustle at the expense of my like health and Mm -hmm. at the expense of, you know, do it in a sustainable way, like work Mm -hmm. in a sustainable way. The point is (laughs) the question, all of this ties in, like, I would love to hear for a lot of our listeners in the small business world, I think there's this expectation to be like a girl boss, to Mm -hmm. make like six figures or seven figures or multi six and seven figures Mm -hmm. and to crush your goals and to rule the world. Mm -hmm. And I think we've started to idolize Mm -hmm. being a girl boss. And Mm -hmm. I think that has affected our like mentality Mm -hmm. when we strive for some of those goals and we Mm -hmm. fail. So I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts, maybe specifically on like, expectations and unmet expectations Mm -hmm. and sustainability and working and health, like all of that. Just what are your thoughts on girl boss culture? Yeah. Good question. Um, so I think it's, it's like, you can get really tied up in that and not even call it that. Like, I don't love the world word girl boss. I can't talk, but I don't love the word girl boss. I'm sure you guys don't either, but it's like just the, like being in the world of like, you can do it, go for your goals. And there's nothing wrong with being ambitious toward your goals. Like I actually looked up the word ambition and I defined it in the book because I'm like, I think it's gotten really convoluted. What it actually means is like to like basically be determined to achieve something meaningful like to you, right? So in that sense, like even if you're not an entrepreneur or someone who wants to make seven figures in their business, you're probably still ambitious because I bet you're determined to do meaningful things in your life, right? Like you just might have something else. But point being, um, you know, I think first I want to speak to what you said, like a lot of that pressure of like, 
you know, get to six figures and get to seven figures. Like, I just want to share from like the other side, like I've done those things. I've had six figure years. I've had seven figure years and not like, I wasn't any happier in any of them. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't a better, like that, that factor alone isn't what made me a happier or more full version of myself. That wasn't what made me more fulfilled. Um, Even in fact, I think like, especially like the first year that I hit seven figures was like the most stressful year of my life. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So what was that all about? Like, did it, right. like, I guess I had, and I started asking myself, if I didn't hit seven figures, but I hit $830,000, is that enough? Like, is that okay? You know, and that sounds like ridiculous to even say out loud. But my point is like, we strive after these like numerical things, these milestones that just sound cool to say. And we never actually ask like, why that? You know, I, I always, I told yep. this story in the book, but, you know, learning to define enough, I think is actually like our greatest weapon against the pressure. And because what's what's amazing about learning to define enough, it's not that you don't set goals. It's not that you don't achieve things. It's not that you're not, you know, ambitiously striving on toward a prize. It's that you're setting goals that are actually aligned and not arbitrary. So something that I think about, and I wrote about this in the book, is a meeting my husband and I had. Um, it was actually, I think it was after my first loss, but he and I were just sitting down and looking ahead to the rest of the upcoming year and looking at some different goals I had set and things that we were thinking about doing financially and whatnot. And he pointed to a project that I had written down, like a launch we had planned to do. And he was like, hey, so like, what's your goal here? Like, what do you want to make on this project? And I threw out some random number, like some big number. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. Why? And he wasn't asking that in like a condescending way. He wasn't like saying I shouldn't make that my goal. He was just like kind of trying to understand what the purpose of that number was. And it was interesting because I remember immediately feeling like, uh... I don't know. It sounds good. My friends have done that. I've done that before. Uh, I see it on Facebook ads that tell me I should make that much on a launch. Like I I just didn't really have like a really clear cut answer right away. And so he was kind of like, well, let's dig into that because you literally just like two hours ago told me that you want to try to reduce your stress levels this year and like, you know, work more sustainably. And just like, you know, even just one loss kind of gave me that shift in perspective. And then it was only solidified more by the second and then various other health issues I uncovered afterwards. And so... Anyways, he was like, let's dig into that. Like, let's really think about, is this really what you need? And he wasn't discouraging me from having big goals. And I really want to clarify that because it wasn't like he was saying like, hey, you shouldn't have some big goal. He just didn't want me to have arbitrary goals. I think that's kind of what he Mm. was encouraging me. And so we sat down and he's like, what do you really like okay, you've, you've told me you want to reduce stress levels. Like, what does that look like this year? And so I said, well, I think I need to hire another team member. It's something I've been feeling like there's a role that I've kind of been carrying that is like stressing me out that I think I could easily hire out. Um, but, you know, you often think about like hiring somebody or hiring help and you think like, I need to make up a bajillion dollars to do that. And so anyways, I kind of had this like, we started to work through it. Basically, it was like, I want to hire help to kind of help myself get out of the weeds and have more time to rest and more time to be present and more flexibility because I've been working 24-7. And he's like, okay, cool. That's like a super clear goal. What do you think you actually need to pay that person? How many hours would they work? Basically, we did this whole exercise and we ended up finding like, in order to actually achieve the thing that I really wanted to achieve, I really only needed to make like half or something of that goal. Like it wasn't nearly as much as I thought. Yeah, And it wasn't that... Um, that goal was bad. It was more just like, I had just kind of threw out an arbitrary number and I was just going to like kill myself to try to reach that number that I didn't even really need to reach. And I guess my point is it really taught me and that has kind of this, this journey I've been on really shown me we as ambitious kind of entrepreneurial type people But even just in general, we often make the numerical thing the goal. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to make $100,000. I want to whatever. When in reality, that's not the goal. 
that's the gas that gets us to the goal. That's the gas in the vehicle. Like if you look at your business as the vehicle, or if you look at, you know, your body or your your time as your vehicle, and money is the gas that makes that thing go, it's driving you toward a destination. So I think what we really need to start asking is what is the actual destination? Because we get really caught up in numbers and saying, you know, we say we want to make six figures. Why to say it? Like who cares? You know, or it's just we set these goals and we don't even really know why we're setting them. And so in my own experience, finding like, oh, I actually only need to make like half of that. So it's not that I can't make more than that. Like anything on top of that is just gravy. Like it's just a cherry on top. But I would have just strived kind of aimlessly after this goal in air quotes, when in reality, the goal is actually, I want to be able to have a little bit more free time and get out of the weeds and and bring on some help and, you know, kind of it was more lifestyle and purpose focused. And even like I wanted to, I really believe in helping women have flexible work opportunities from home. And so I wanted to use my business to create that. That is a purpose-driven goal. Randomly making 100 grand or 400 grand or 50 grand or whatever you think you want to make on a project simply because it sounds good or because someone else did it is a really arbitrary goal. So really, I guess my point is it comes down to defining enough. I think that's where, that's our greatest weapon against this like constant like, pressure to just do more, be more, achieve more, kind of the girl boss, boss babe culture that we were talking about. And really what that is, is hustle culture. It's just wrapped Mm -hmm. up in something kind of feminine. And it's, again, not bad to have big goals. Like this isn't about settling. It's not about playing small. It's not about holding yourself back. It's just about having the courage to like draw a line in the sand and be like, today, this is enough. Because what I actually value is not the dollar amount or what I can say I've achieved. It's actually the lifestyle that I believe it will give me or the flexibility it will give me or the time it will give me to be with the things that actually matter most like my family or my spouse or investing in my health or whatever else there may be. So I've had to learn, stop setting goals like I want to make $100,000. Instead, reverse engineer from what you actually want. Well, this is a goal we have for our family this year. We want to save X amount of dollars because we want to pay off debt so that we can be financially free. Or we want I want to get healthy so I have more energy to play with my kids. Or I want... Whatever. Like That's the goal. So then you reverse engineer and say, okay, so then how much do I need to do that? How much mm-hmm. money do I need to do that? How much... you know? Uh, how much money do I need for the doctor's appointments to to kind of start finding the answers I need to find? Or how much money do I need to make in my business to actually be able to bring on that help or do that thing or fund that mission or whatever it might be? So, or or even like how much weight do I need to lose in order to be to that place where I feel like I'd be healthier? How much weight do I need to gain to actually be healthier? Sometimes it goes the opposite way and we never talk about that in culture. But anyway, my point is, I, I think we've gotten the whole approach of money, goals, numbers, all of that wrong. And a lot of times we set these very arbitrary goals simply because they sound good. Simply because we saw someone else on the internet somewhere tell us that's what success is. And so we said, that's what I need to do. And we never waited against our own circumstances, our own needs, our own, you know, like where we're even at in our businesses or our life or our work in our current season. When you start bringing all that context in, the pressure starts to alleviate because then you can say, oh, for this thing I want to do, this is actually what I need. So now I have a really clear aligned goal tied to that number rather than just throwing out arbitrary things because I think it sounds good. Yeah. Well, something that just popped into my head while you were talking, Jay, was I think not only do we just throw out arbitrary numbers because, you know, oh, well, so-and-so made that and it Mm -hmm. sounded cool. But I think when we don't have a deeply rooted like why and purpose Mm -hmm. behind it, we attach our identity to that goal in a very unhealthy way. So yeah. like, for, you know, it's like, oh, when I make six figures, then I will feel like I'm actually a good 
mm-hmm. entrepreneur, photographer, like business mm-hmm. owner, whatever title you would put in there. Or, oh, when I make like a multi six figure launch, then I'm actually going to be like a pro and I'll, I'll feel mm-hmm. good about myself. Like it's like we attach our identity to it. So it's not just like we're striving unnecessarily and lacking clarity towards like mm-hmm. some random number that we pulled out of our back pocket. Right. But it's like, when there's not the deep-rooted, like, clear why mm-hmm. we are putting our purpose and our identity into a random, arbitrary number that, like yeah. you said, is, like, the vehicle, like, the gas mm-hmm. in the vehicle that gets you somewhere. It is not the ultimate destination. Mm-hmm. And I think then, when we don't hit that random goal, we feel like, I have, you know, I'm a failure. I'm a terrible person. I can't believe I, why am I mm-hmm. even trying? Like it's it's this like spiral of identity mm-hmm. and confusion and frustration, like all the things. Mm-hmm. And most, most of the time, like uh, absolutely you can hit and crush goals many times. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer, but a lot of the time, like there's going to be a setback or a disappointment, like literally mm-hmm. the entire premise of your book, Jordan, like stuff mm-hmm just happens in life. And if you've put your identity into a random number, Mm -hmm. like that is setting you up for consistent and deep and devastating, like Mm -hmm. just, I don't even know what the word is, pain, (laughs) loss. Well, and just just a constant feeling of, you know, there's a chapter in my book book called Always Almost There. And Mm. the reason I chose that title is because that's the cycle you get stuck in. It's like nothing is ever going to be enough, right? It's always going to be, there's going to always be a next thing. So if we constantly live for the next thing, and it's not that you can't desire the next thing. It's not that you can't desire that your business grows. It's not that you can't desire that your family grows. It's not that you quit longing for that. But when you start to live for that, and especially when it's just kind of for an arbitrary reason of like, well, I think that's what I'm supposed to do next. Like, well, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like, what if your business is at just the right size for you? You know what I mean? Or like, what if, you know, what if this is actually a season you could really soak up with the current people in your life, or I don't, I'm just giving examples. But my point is like, when you start to identify, like you said, with that, you totally um, get stuck in this like hamster wheel of like, mm. well, when I get there, I'll be happy. Well, when I get yeah. there, I'll feel secure. Well, when I get yeah. there, it'll my life will be complete. Well, when I get there, my life will start. And it's like, man, it's like such a like, you become a slave to that mentality and you're never actually satisfied. Yeah. Well, don't you say in your book, the finish line always keeps moving totally. when you do get quote unquote there. Or if you don't even get like... Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like I hit seven figures and I was like, cool, what do we do next? When in like three years prior, I would have been like, I'd give anything to hit seven figures, you know? And it's like, and even like, Evie, what you were asking about, like with like my take on girl boss culture and all of this, like one of the things I wanted to say is like, I, there's been years where like, okay, so I hit seven figures one year and it was like, woo, okay, awesome. Like, that's fun. Like, that's a cool accomplishment. But like, now what, you know? And yeah. I remember... Um, a couple years later, like I realized like this isn't, I don't, I know how to do that. I can do that if I need to, but like it actually feels better to maybe not quite hit that milestone. Maybe I make a little less, but like I have way more margin in my life, you know? And like, I still can like have the flexibility I want. And, and it's just like shifting from like, what is it actually necessary? And how can I make sure that I'm satisfied where I'm at so that even if I do get to the next level or achieve the next thing or hit that milestone again, it's not like what I'm expecting to give me fulfillment because I'm going to be sorely disappointed if that's what I'm expecting. Calling all entrepreneurs. Are you ready for a biz boost in 2022? Tired of feeling alone or struggling to figure out this whole entrepreneur thing by yourself? Well, great, because we have your solution. We are hosting an in-person business conference in Nashville, Tennessee on April 25th through 28th, 2022. 
And this isn't your traditional boring corporate like conference either. I mean, do you even know Evie and I? <laughs> yes, the Heart Conference is a place for creative business owners and dreamers of all kinds to come together, experience community, learn business and marketing strategies that will help you grow and scale your business all while having the friggin' best time of your life. So get ready to be empowered in your business and life so you can go out and break down every barrier that is holding you back from achieving your goals. All right, and listen to our speaker lineup. Legit. All right, we have Jordan Lee Dooley, Paige Griffith of The Legal Page, Zim Flores, Angie Lee, as well as Lindsay and myself, and our keynote speaker, Donald Miller of freaking StoryBrand. Like, yes. Yeah. So basically, are you like ready to explode your business and build community in just three days? Because if so, it's time to learn some hardcore marketing and sales strategies that will grow your business beyond what you could ever imagine. Get paid to do what you love, speak to the heart of your ideal client, nip that feeling of loneliness in the bud, connect with a community of like-minded creative entrepreneur besties, receive over 12 hours of hardcore business education, dance your pants off at our heart dance party, and listen to seven industry leaders teach you everything they know. Yeah, it's a lot in just three days. Buzz gonna be good. (laughs) If you are ready to give your business a jumpstart in 2022 and lead in your business empowered, come join us at the Heart Conference. You can find out more at theheartuniversity.com forward slash conference. Photographers, listen up. Do you struggle with editing in Lightroom? Are you confused as heck about organizing catalogs, backing up your images, calling takes you actual ages, and editing as a whole just leaves you feeling discouraged and frustrated and maybe bored too? If that is you, consider us a Santa on Christmas morning because we have a completely free Lightroom challenge for you that walks you through everything we just mentioned, including a bunch of tricks and hacks that make editing in Lightroom a million times easier and faster. The challenge includes five videos, roughly 30 to 50 minutes each of Evie and I tackling some of the trickiest topics on editing and teaching you exactly how we use Lightroom to edit drool-worthy photos. We cover our favorite tools within Lightroom that will change your editing game, and we teach you how we import Pull, upload, backup, and catalog our photos in a way that is efficient, fast, and reliable. You don't want to miss this challenge, my friend. And if your editing needs a refresh and you just want to know how we edit our photos, this is the place to be. Sign up and join the challenge at theheartuniversity.com forward slash challenge. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash challenge. And we can't wait to see you there. Well, okay. I want to, I want to like literally everything that we're talking about, like point this into a question for a listener. Cause I think mm-hmm. as ambitious female entrepreneurs, like we can get so caught up in that, in the lie that like successful is always like when there is more, right? Like mm-hmm. more money, more followers, more accolades, more whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and like all of that in theory will lead to more success, which will then therefore lead to more happiness, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what we tell ourselves. So mm-hmm. what would you say to a, a listener who is maybe feeling that is, is maybe in, I mean, cause we, all three of us have definitely been there, but mm-hmm. they're in that mindset of striving and hustling for more. And they never seem to reach the goal because it's just always like a hamster wheel of like more, more, more. Yeah. Um, well, one, I would say, check yourself and see if you're stuck on that hamster wheel of I'm always almost there. Like just when I get to where I thought I wanted to be, there's a next thing to chase because that's part of the problem. Um, The other thing I would say is maybe you've gone through hard things, maybe you haven't. But I also think like, don't forget the perspective hard things gives you. And if you've not yet like walked through the refining fire of suffering, um, you will 
at some point. And I don't say that to be negative, but I say it because none of us are immune. And for some of us, it happens in our childhood. Some of us, it happens in our 20s as we're building families. Some of us, it happens in our 40s when we go through some sort of family brokenness or it happens later in life. But my point is, there's a gift in suffering that I think suffering gave me as much as I didn't want to receive that. I was like, I much rather would have had my life just go on in like beautiful, ignorant bliss, but okay. Um, (laughs) You know, and I'll share an example because this is something really relevant as we're talking about books and, you know, things because books sound really like cool and shiny and flashy and they're a grind actually, but they are a cool thing to get to do. And I'm thankful that it's part of my job, but you know, I, I think you can see all the mount, the mountaintop moments that come with those and kind of miss all the like really hard stuff that led to them. But yeah. anyways, in the context of that, one of the big shiny prizes in the book world, like I think in the female entrepreneur world, it's like the seven-figure milestone or the whatever is kind of the whole like thing, right? Um, in the book world, hitting a New York, the New York Times bestselling list is like, the like the like creme de la creme. Okay. It's like you are a successful author if you hit that list. Yeah. So, anyways, that was like secretly like something I really, really wanted with my first book. Here's what I need to make sure everyone understands though. It literally means nothing. Like in so many ways. I mean it doesn't mean <laughs> nothing, but my point is like it doesn't really it's not solely like numbers based. Like there's all sorts of different things they use to to decide who goes on there. Cause like a lot of people who will hit a various other list based on numbers still won't hit the times, even if they have the numbers for it, if that makes sense. So yeah. I'm educating on this because that's one of those things where it's like, it just sounds shiny. It sounds special. And it is. It's a really cool honor. It's a beautiful thing to get to, you know, if you if you are able to do that. But it's not solely based on like the amount of books you sell or your effort or anything like that. So I guess my point is, you know, there's sometimes things that we just think that sound really great, but we're like, and we can get really caught up in it. And so anyways, I really wanted that for my first book. And I didn't really want to admit that because it sounded kind of vain and whatever, but it was something that I really cared about. And I I was, just for like context, because I really lost sight of this. I was not even 25 years old yet. I had just written a book that sold really well the first week. We hit every other bestseller list, USA Today, Publishers Weekly, Wall Street Journal. Like no one that doesn't know books would know the difference, right? Um, and I had just had this amazing book tour. Like I had so much to be like, wow, what just happened, right? But I spent the end of my book tour crying because I didn't hit this one list that I, you know, by numbers should have, but didn't or whatever you want to argue about it. And I got so bent out of shape over that. And I I was so like, it was almost like all the like the beauty and the success and like the impact that the book was having and the like lives that I got to connect with and all the things that had just happened almost like didn't even seem to matter because I got so discouraged by this one goal that I seem to fall short of. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was like, I look back at that and that was, you know, at that time I'm like, wow, sister, you were like, I want to go back and like shake my 24, 25 year old shoulders and be like, <laughs> you have no idea what's coming. Like, this is not a hard thing, you know? Um, <laughs> but like in the moment that was like a hard, it was, a, it was disappointing for me. And also I will say it was at the end of like a really long week with a lot of traveling and I started my period that day. So I had like the emotional capacity of a flea at that point. So <laughs> Like, I also try to give myself grace. But my point is, I lacked perspective then, is really how I see it. Like, Mm. I hadn't walked through, I didn't even, I hadn't even gotten really like close enough to feel the heat of the refining fire of suffering, let alone walk through it. So then I like walked through it like back to back in multiple ways. And um, suddenly it was like those kind of things that are like, they're great honors, they're awesome things, they're great if it happens. But it was funny because as this book was coming, getting getting closer, I had a friend ask me if I was going for that same goal. And I almost kind of, like, I hadn't even thought about it, but I kind of surprised myself with my answer. I was kind of like, no. I'd actually, like, that'd be nice. Like, it'd be awesome. I'd be happy if it happened. But, like, 
I don't even feel like this, like, yeah, that's what I want, like, like I did before. And so I guess my point is, what I'm trying to get to is I think sometimes we have to go back to perspective. Like, mm. what are you chasing? And why, like, I, like, really, all I really was looking for was recognition. That's what that is. Hitting a list yeah. is awesome. It's, a, it's an honor. It's a reward. But it's just recognition. And it's, I don't know how they choose it, but it's kind of confusing. And I think we can get really caught up in the approval, the recognition, what other people see. It, like literally not hitting the times did not take, did not change anything about how successful the book was at all. Yeah. It continued to sell. It continued to get read. It continued to get passed along. It sold out targets all over the country. Like it literally didn't make a difference, but I was so focused on the recognition. And so yeah. I think just like check yourself and, and will it be willing to look in the mirror and audit like, am I missing like the actual point of what I'm doing because I'm so caught up in maybe what other people see or what sounds successful or the recognition? Because sometimes that's the thing that like, if we can recognize that, that's what can get us back on track. And if we can't recognize it, sometimes it's the really, really hard stuff in life that really like shakes us to the core that gives us that perspective that sometimes we really need. It's not, I'm not saying we deserve it. I'm just saying sometimes it's those situations that really will shake us and go, hey, what actually matters here? What are we chasing? Why are we chasing it? And that was at least what happened for me. And so, yeah, that's the best advice I would give is just like, it can be hard. It is frustrating when you feel like, gosh, I just keep falling short of my goal or like this didn't work out. And your disappointment is valid. Like there's nothing wrong with being disappointed, but also try to like lean back into like, but what is like, does this really change the impact I'm having if I don't Mm -hmm. get the recognition I think, or I don't hit that milestone this year? Will it be the end of the world if I hit the milestone next year and I continue to make the impact I'm making, you know? Um, or if I don't ever like hit that milestone, but I continue to do meaningful work. Like I think, I think it's just coming back to like what actually matters. Mm, that's so good. Okay, Jordan, I want to ask you, because you talked about, you know, the refining fire and how, you mm. know, like pain, suffering, loss can, you know, the the almost, the whatever mm-hmm. can shift your perspective. I'd just love to hear like, and I'm sure you probably talk about this in your book, but here on the podcast, like how did the last couple of years help you recalibrate your why and what you're ultimately striving towards in life? Like, I guess, I don't know. What have you reshifted? Like Mm -hmm. your, your perspective, your why, your ultimate goals, your definition of success, all of that. Yeah. Well, in that season where I was like really caught up in like the the recognition and the reward and the financial milestones and just the next achievement, the next achievement, I kind of lost sight of why I actually started a business. Um, when I, as I was like recovering from my losses and walking through those season, that season of like just one thing after another going wrong and a lot of grief and everything, um, I had a lot of time to think and reflect because I was just like not motivated to do much. And I thought back to when I first started my business. I was a college student and my husband was trying to, you know, he was trying to get into the NFL. He was in and out and it was kind of this like up and down process. Um, and so anyway, I started the business partly because I knew I needed flexibility to be able to support his dreams because I had no idea what city we'd end up in and how that would all work out. But also because I knew at some point, someday, we wanted to have a family. I mean, we got married pretty young, so we weren't in like a huge hurry, but we just knew like eventually we'd like to have a family and definitely didn't expect that to start off so bumpy. But that was part of my why. It was like, I want to have the flexibility to be available for my wife or for my wife, whoa, for my kids, like as a wife, for my kids, for my husband. <laughs> Um, and to, you know, have the flexible lifestyle that my mom had when I was growing up and she was like available for us, like that became really important to me. And if I could find a way to do that, I wanted to do that. And so at first I was like 
kind of doing my side hustle thing. And it was mostly just a hobby. It was actually started as a creative outlet. But once it started to turn into a more of like a full-on business, and it was actually mm. starting to work. That was when I was like kind of at that fork in the road when I was like, either I'm going to go get like a job job or I'm going to figure out a way to make this work and actually like do this with my time. Yeah. And it was too complicated to go get a job job because my husband was doing the whole NFL thing and I needed to be flexible. So I decided to lean into that. And part of the reason was I was like, well... If I can make this work, if I can do something with this whole internet creative thing that I'm building or working on, maybe that would allow me the flexibility in the future if I can spend some years working on it. I completely lost sight of that when I was like, hustle after the next thing, success 30 under 30, bestseller list, like all the things, right? And it wasn't until like I was kind of laid flat on my back and almost forced to pause that I had time to think about that. And I was like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this to begin with. And it kind of reignited my passion in my heart for not only creating, like helping other women do that, but also making sure that I was building my business in a way that was conducive to whenever that happened in my life. Um, and in a way that was sustainable, in a way that gave me the flexibility. Because I, I know there's that joke that's like, leave your nine to five to work 24-7. And that's pretty much like <laughs> what I had started to do. Like, you know, it wasn't this like, leave your nine to five and like have freedom and flexibility. It was like, no, I was working like nonstop. And I think yeah, that's something yeah. we can get caught up in. So I started to recalibrate. I was like, okay, maybe we won't make quite as much, but at least for a little while. And I'm going to pull back in this area and I'm going to consider what are the projects that I'm doing that have the highest impact, both like income wise and like actual impact um, with the lowest input. Like, you know, and yeah. I started to look at the things that I, were, that I had said yes to and I started eliminating projects that were unnecessary, that were just another new thing, but like weren't really going to move the needle or maybe they would a little financially, but weren't, weren't making a massive difference. And I really leaned into like my books and my podcast and a couple of classes and programs that I had, but a lot of the extra stuff we just cut. I was like, let's just double down and focus on a few solid things for right now. And if we need to add more later, we can. So that was kind of what it looked like for me to recalibrate um, and to just kind of reset, like, how am I doing this and how can I do it better? And why am I doing it? Because the why always influences the how. Um, I think a lot of times we lean into the how, like, okay, how am I going to make six figures? And it's like, well, what the heck? Why are you making, why do you want to make six figures first? Or like, why do you want to build this business from the first, for the first place? And I think we have a general why, like a deep why that kind of drives what we're doing as a whole. Like for me, it's like, I want to have the flexibility so that when it's time to have a family, like it will be there. And it's interesting because I look back at a couple of years ago when I kind of, the first time I got pregnant was kind of like a, oh, that was kind of a surprise. Um, and in a way, I felt a little panicked because I didn't have like the infrastructure and the systems in place. And I feel like in this weird way, the kind of waiting I found myself in gave me this unexpected opportunity that I didn't really want or ask for. I would have worked it out. But I can, I look ahead to be like, wow, I'm going to be in such a better place to like my business. can. Keep. I took three months off this past summer, did not like build or try to grow my business at all, didn't launch anything. And my business kept running and things mm-hmm. were fine. And it was like such a test for me to be like, oh my gosh, I like got it to that place, but it took a lot of like discipline and cutting and saying no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. Um, So I guess my point is like, we have this bigger why I think that drives the ultimate work that we do, like whether that's entrepreneurship or something else. But I think with every single project and goal and commitment, there's also gotta be a clear why. Like, why are you taking on that goal? Does it further the, does it further the ultimate purpose? Does it enrich your life? (laughs) Does it enrich your family? Does it enrich the goal you're really working toward? Or is it just sound good? Or is it just... So anyways, point being, I think we have like a major why and like minor whys to every little thing that we do. And if those aren't clear, don't do it. Mm. This is reminding me of, uh, I think when we were on our heart team retreat, 
in Mexico, Evie, the first time, like in Tulum, yeah. we we FaceTimed you, Jordan, and we were just having mm-hmm. a girl chat. And I remember you were like, just like giving us like some tough love of like, you don't <laughs> need to do it all. Like you don't, I think as women, especially as entrepreneurs and like driven women, we like, we feel like we have to accomplish literally everything be- before we turn 30. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we have to like make our careers a raving success and have cultural fame mm-hmm. like before we settle mm-hmm. down. And oh it's gosh. like, and my mom, why? like, she was like, she spoke this into me because I kind of go, and it's like, it's, we may not like consciously think that 30 is the number or 35 is the age or whatever. It's always like the next five years in our life is kind of what we think. But my point is, yeah, we have, I think especially the internet makes us think like in your youth, you've got to do all these things. It's like, how in the heck are women supposed to bear children, build massive <laughs> businesses, be popular on Instagram, like do and be like normal? Like, how do you do all of that? And my mom gave me some really good advice. She was like, Jay, you have to remember life comes in phases. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, remember you can write books when you're like 58. You can't bear kids as easily when you're 58. Like, or like, you know, she's like, and it's not that you have to have biological kids. It's not even what I'm saying. It's just one of those things where it's like, there's some seasons where it's like, you don't actually have to do all of that by 30. There's some things where yeah. maybe they're, you know, do that in your in your 30s, 20s and 30s and like lean into the things that are more time sensitive in your 20s and 30s when you can. And if you have that opportunity and maybe there's another, like my mom wrote her first book in her 50s. She's always wanted to write a book. And I was like all bent out of shape about my book getting pushed back a year. You know, <laughs> it was just such perspective for me. I was like, oh yeah. And it just reminded me like, you have time. You have time to do all the things. And I think we get so caught up in like, well, tomorrow could be my last day. Like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But like, don't live like that because that's miserable. You're going to live constantly in a hurry. And I guarantee you when you go to heaven, like if tomorrow is your last day, I guarantee you, you're not going to be like hanging out there with God and all the angels in freaking paradise with no brokenness going, gosh, dang it. I wish I would have hit six figures in my business. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like send me back, Lord. Back. I need the six yeah. figures. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're going to be like, yeah, okay. That doesn't even matter. Like, it's just... I think we think like I'm running out of time and we have to do it all by now. It's like, no, like there are seasons for things. And this may be the season for you to be a little slower with some of your career accomplishments because it's time to tend to some littles or Mm -hmm. to pour into your marriage because that's struggled through a really hard season or to pour into your health. Like for me, it was like, yes, like ultimately it's for the sake of my family, but like I've got to, I've got to like heal some things in my body that I didn't even know I was struggling with for that season one day, you know, and and for the bigger picture. And so maybe that's what's going to take the front seat right now. And the business, I'll steward it. I'll do my best. But maybe the big, huge goals kind of take a back seat right now. And I can come back to those in a couple years or a couple months or in 10 years. Like, I just think we forget like life comes in seasons for a reason and not mm-hmm. all of them have to be flying through career milestones and achieving all of the things. Yeah, I think that's so good. I also think it's just like, I feel like I've had this conversation both on the podcast, but also just with so many people so much in the last like month Mm -hmm. or two. So I'm probably a broken record on this podcast for our poor listeners. But like you were just saying, Jordan, there's like seasons in life and in business, I think are so biblical and so Mm -hmm. like how God created us. Like if you look at anything in nature, anything that is growing, that is whatever, Mm -hmm. like there are seasons of planting, sowing, harvesting, like work seasons. And then there are seasons of nurturing, rest, you know, building, like resting from it, all of that. And I think it's very easy as ambitious and like multi-passionate, excited, driven women Mm -hmm. to be like, I must do it all before the children. And to be like, well, do you really? I like, that was huge. I know for Mm -hmm. Lindsay and I at our retreat, Mm -hmm. when you like 
basically like gave us a couple love taps across the face and we're like, hi, so why? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I remember because it was like, Evie, you were literally getting married and you were like, I don't even have time to get married. I know. I was like, that's a problem. Jordan was like, so let's sit on that for a second. (laughs) And now you're married. Like, it's awesome. But yes, I remember that. I was like, you were like, I want to get married. I just don't know when. And I was like, oh dear. Okay. (laughs) Jordan's like, all right, let me buckle up and uh, let's get started. (laughs) Oh, it's true. I think so we can huge. put off the most sacred things in life because we think that we're going to run out of time to achieve the shiny stuff yeah. that doesn't actually like on our deathbed. We're not going to be like, dang it. I wish I would have launched one more course, you know, like, and yeah. you're going to look back and go, why didn't I get married? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's yeah. like, if I had the person or why didn't I put myself out there more? Why, why didn't I spend more time with my mom? Why didn't I, you know, lean into how God wanted to build my family and just open my heart to that? Why, why didn't I make space for that? Like, I think we can get so wrapped around the axle with not only the achievement stuff, but also just our plans and our expectations of how things should go rather than being like, I'm going to make as much room possible in this season for this because I know this is what this season needs. And I'm just going to let it come to me how it could, how it should. Like, you couldn't control when he proposed, but you needed to make the space in your life to be ready for that, right? Yep. And yep. that's how I think we need to be pursuing, like, be approaching things. We need to hold the things that are sacred as sacred, yep. prioritize them and hold them above all else. And then everything else is extra. Everything else mm. is a vehicle to get us to and, and to support what it is that is sacred and what matters. But I think a lot of times that gets clouded and it gets really fuzzy and we just need a reminder of that. Ugh, amen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, we haven't even uh, addressed the elephant in the room, which is uh, this episode is airing, I think like two weeks-ish before the Heart Conference, which mm-hmm. you are speaking at. So excited. <laughs> okay, I was I'm so impressed by like everything that you guys have like planned and are putting on. It's going to be Aww. so incredible. Like I'm just well, honored to be a part of it. But like, man, you guys better buckle up to everyone <laughs> listening. Like you are about to have your socks rocked off. Like, is that Aww. even how you say it? Socks blown socks off? off? Is that? You know what I mean. You, we know what off. you mean. We yeah. know. No, it's, we've been planning this since it was originally supposed to uh, happen in October of 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's just laughable. Let's just pause yes. to nothing collectively. October of 2020, absolutely nothing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Eloise is like howling in the background if anybody can hear that. Anyways, um, <laughs> no, okay. So we are so freaking excited to have you there, to have you just like spit absolute fire at our attendees. So can you just kind of give a breakdown of like, I mean, not a breakdown. You can just like very quickly say like, what are you teaching and what are you most excited to share with the people that are in the room in Nashville? Yeah, good question. So I am really excited because in my main talk, I'm going to be talking about really how to find your, like the right focus for you, especially as a creative and as a woman who's ambitious and multi-passionate. I sometimes liken social media to like a dating app in that um, like... I think the the downside, there's a lot of good sides to both, but the the downside to dating apps is it can create some commitment issues, especially for boys who haven't grown up and want to ghost women. But regardless, <laughs> I mean, I've just had so many friends tell me stories. But my point is like the downside to a dating app is like, it's almost like a pocket or it's almost like a, a catalog of other potential better options in your pocket at all times. So it makes mm. it really hard to like look across the table and be really present and like, and like commit to a really wonderful human being across the table from you because there's this back of your mind, like, what if you swipe right on someone else? That's even better. What if there's another better option? I think social media does that similarly for us as entrepreneurs and as creatives. Like, oh, look what so-and-so is doing. Maybe you should add that into your business. Maybe you should start a podcast. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. And we get really pulled and it can, we can lose sight of like, what's my mission? And like, what am I actually good at? What's right for me? And so I'm going to take the audience through 
kind of an exercise and just, uh, we're going to talk about really finding your focus, getting clear on not only what matters to you, kind of some themes of what we talked about here, but even more specifically, like how do you really find your unique genius and how you can bring something different and and commit to that um, and what that should look like. And so that's the the main thing I want to talk about because we can get pulled in so many directions as creatives. And before we know it, we're like podcasting and, it's, <laughs> and photography and all the things. And it's not bad to have multiple lanes to what you do. It's just... How do you make sure that you aren't being spread too thin and getting mm. distracted and feeling like I've got to do all the things because someone else did it? Like if a podcast yep. is truly right for you, awesome. But if it's just because that's like the thing to do right now, like it may not. So that's just a random example. But we're going to be talking a lot about how to find your focus as a multi-passionate creative. And then in my breakouts, I want to teach on how to make your product stand out and sell, whether that's a digital product or running like an actual shop with physical product. Um, Because I actually started my whole business with an Etsy shop and I've always had a physical product component to what I do. Although I podcast, although I've sold courses, I've always had um, either um, sweatshirts or apparel or books or journals or something in my in my arsenal of my business that is a physical product. And then also I've had digital products like eBooks and things like that that can complement those things. And so I really have found that especially for those... It can be hard to stand out regardless on the internet right now. But especially when you have a physical product and it's not just based on your personality and like your kind of like approach to something like how you coach or how you take photos or anything like that, but it's actually like a physical thing, really learning like how to make that stand out so that it can sell and reach the right people, especially in a saturated market. Um, that's what I really want to help people do, especially if they're interested in adding a physical a physical product component or a digital product component to maybe their service-based business or if they have a physical product business and are kind of struggling to get some traction with it. Well, and you're like brilliant at literally all of it. I mean, you're literally the the best example of a multi-passionate woman I can even think of. And then also <laughs> you're bu- brilliant in shop owner, like everything shop owner. I'm just so excited. I'm oh, also I'm selfish excited. like that I... Actually, wait, Evie, can we go to the other people's breakouts? I don't know. If, if we're not in the same type talking slot, which I don't think we are. So I'm pretty sure, although we have to eat lunch. I don't, I might just bring a sack lunch <laughs> to your breakout, Jordan, and just be like in the back of the room, just in like back, chomping. chomping. Like literally like chomping and being like, yes, Jay, so good. Oh, can you repeat that actually real quick? I just forgot to take the note. <laughs> this was eating my sandwich. It's fine. Yeah, I'd be oh like, oh, hang gosh. on. There was, there was mayo on my finger. I couldn't write. Uh, one more time, Jordan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, it's going to be so good. We are so excited. Well, okay. It's going to be fun. I hope everyone who is listening to this who doesn't already have a ticket to the Heart Conference now realizes the value that's about to be in the room with Jordan Dooley as well as our other speakers. So come and join us at the conference. Learn from Jay. Get to meet her. All of the things. In the meantime, Jordan, where can our listeners like find you? Where can they buy your book, connect with you online? All the things. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited to meet some of your people at the conference. And um, you, for those of you who won't be at the conference or who just want to connect online, my Instagram is at Jordan Lee Dooley. And my my uh, website is the exact same, jordanleedooley.com. You can grab the book anywhere books are sold. It's called Embrace Your Almost, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble. I will say Target has an exclusive edition with a bonus chapter. And Barnes & Noble and Books A Million both have autographed copies if that's something that's of interest to you. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sorry. The book anywhere books are sold. Hold up. Is, was Did we get the Target copy mailed to us or was that the original? Um, I don't think we have Target copies because we only those can only be sent through Target. So Okay. That's Lindsay good goes, to, I, I will, will go buy another. Yes. <laughs> He's like, I'm missing I a go, chapter. <laughs> what? I will go support my friend and also get the other. T- I'm like, it was so good. I need no- more. Okay. This is good to know. <laughs> 
Awesome. Um, well, thank we you so it. much, Jay. You have been just a joy to talk with. We love having you on this show. And, like, you just bring fire everywhere you go. So thank you so much. Uh, well, thank you. It was so fun to chat. And thank you for being flexible because I was definitely late. <laughs> All good. <laughs> That's what friends are for. 